This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. On the show, we chat to the unsung heroes of customer experience, the people who are working behind the scenes to make CX great. And on each episode, you'll learn from their examples and get aha moments and practical takeaways. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Today, we're speaking to Alana Parker, Chief Marketing Officer at the Royal Freemasons Benevolent Institution, one of Australia's leading residential aged care and retirement living providers. Now, Alana is a marketing veteran with over 20 years of practical experience across various industries. And now she's making a huge impact on the aged care sector. On today's episode, you'll hear how engaging with your customers is paramount not just in the aged care sector, but in all industries. Alana shares her tips on how to work with your customers to change their perceptions. And you'll also hear how the aged care sector is navigating the most difficult challenge it has ever faced, dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, whilst still providing exceptional CX to society's most vulnerable people. Customer Experience Leaders host, Michael Momsen, spoke to Alana in mid-2020. Not everyone's heard of RFBI, maybe not super familiar. So maybe tell us a little bit about uh, who you guys are and, and, and the role that you're up to there. RFBI is an aged care provider. So we provide residential aged care and retirement living and home care services. We've been an organisation for 140 years this year. So it's a very big anniversary for us. And we've been providing aged care services for around 40 years. We work mostly in the rural and regional areas of New South Wales and ACT. And I yep. came on board close to four and a half years ago now as their first Chief of Marketing Officer. So my role has really been looking at how do we engage the market, how do we support that customer experience across all of our touch points and across all of our services so that more people know who we are and what we're about and are able to receive really high quality care when they need it. Is there anything that's sort of core to the culture of where it came from that shows up today still? Yeah, so it's one of the perceptions that people have. As soon as they hear the full name, they do believe we're a Freemason organisation. We're actually not. Right. We okay. were established by Freemasons back in 1880. And their core purpose back then was to help other Freemasons in their local area. Since that time, there was at that time in 1880, there was no social welfare programs. There was nothing else yes. to help people. So it was really incumbent upon them as part of the philosophy of Freemasonry was to help fellow brethren. And so yep. started this organisation. Over time, as government welfare programs start to come into place and things like that, their mantra sort of shifted because people could receive government support. They didn't need support from the organisation so much. So their path shifted slightly. And I say slightly because it's not being just about supporting brethren in the area and right. financial support, but more broadly, how do we support our local community members? The reason RFBI actually came into aged care is because we had a local mason in the area up in Edgeworth near Hawkins, Newcastle rather, called Hawkins now, um, who gifted us 40 acres of land so that we could establish a retirement village. Oh, beautiful. He saw there was a really great need to get some services in place to support older people and he gave us this beautiful parcel of land to do it. So we opened our first retirement village up there. And since then, we've grown mostly on the back of calls for help from local community members saying, listen, we really need 
some services here. We think you're a great organisation. Can you help us? Can you set up services here or take over our existing services? Right. You could do a better job. Started by the community for the community. Obviously, the definition of community and who takes the lead in the community has changed over the last hundred odd years. Yeah. It sounds like still led by the community often more in rural locations saying or remote locations saying, hey, like, these are the, the services that, that, that we're after. So it'd be good to chat then about customer experience, especially if you're kind of the first person coming in and you're flying the flag of, yeah, obviously you want to promote families coming in and exploring, yeah. um, taking on your services. But then there's this element of, of customer experience in the mix. It'd be good to sort of understand how just broadly you think about that. When I came on board, I suppose even before that, being established by Freemasons, even though we're not a Masonic organisation, there was not the, a strong appetite throughout the organisation's history to promote itself. It's not Freemasonry. Oh, interesting. And so with the shifting market, there's been a lot of legislative changes and a lot of changes in the aged care and the older market with what they're looking for in aged care and the way right. aged care needs to position itself. So when I joined the company, the industry had gone through a major shift. The organisation knew we needed to be more active in our local market. We needed to be able to really celebrate our brand and who we are and what we offer and let people know that and, mm. you know, join that celebration with us and come on board and receive care from us. So I came on board with that view to grow the brand and really penetrate our local markets so that we can grow our occupancy, build our services and expand our market penetration. In terms of customer experience, we're an aged care provider. So what we're all about is supporting people to live well. So when you think about customer experience in this context, it's super holistic. When people live with us, they're living environments, that whole space that they live, how they live, as well as their care needs. So I know when people think aged care, it's all just about care. And that's a right. big, important part of it. But it's really getting that whole life experience. And so that mm. takes a lot of understanding of our residents, who is important to them, you know, what do they like to do, how do they like to live, what's their taste, their preferences, you know, what are they interested in? And mm. so we need to know all of that in order to support them to live well. And that's what our customer experience approach is all about. How do we know our residents and our clients really well so that we can use that to support them to have a great life? You mentioned like understanding the journey and kind of the touch points and then there's obviously like the resident who you're providing the care and the whole life and then you kind of have the families who also have their you know journey. Mm -hmm. How have you gone about thinking about what even if there is a such thing as an ideal customer journey and then where does customer experience come into that because this is I suppose straight away going to highlight where it goes across the organization, right? It's not just going to be within the, the sort of CMO remit so to speak. Totally. And ironically, I mean, I have and my team have probably the least to do with the customer experience <laughs> hands-on because right. most of the time when people are enjoying our services, they're being supported by our village teams and our care at home team. And that's run predominantly for Asia's team. Obviously, right. one of the things we've done is look at our customer service standards across the organisation so everyone understands what we want to deliver and how each role plays a part in making sure we achieve that great customer experience. But yeah, you know, we touch people in their aged care journey all the way through and at different times. So it could be at, right at the start of their journey and it might yeah. not have been to aged care yet. It might be coming through retirement living or it could be them living at home, you know, needing some services to support them living well there, right. care at home team. And they might transition through all of our services right through to our residential aged care services and then obviously palliate with us and pass yes. 
part of the work that I'm doing on that I really am passionate about is supporting people start that journey well. So many people fearful of what aged care is all about Mm. and have these negative perceptions. And so when they're confronted with the knowledge that they or their loved one need aged care, there's often a lot of emotion, a lot of anxiety. So one of the Mm. things that I've been really keen to do is to support our teams to make that journey as enjoyable and as smooth as possible and to reassure Mm. people that aged care doesn't have to be or isn't you know, this beast that they might think it is. It can be right. a really great place and a great way to live. Are there any examples or stories that come to mind where you've been able to flip that on the head or change some of the perceptions or there's been initiatives that have helped, you know, reduce anxiety? And, and... You know, Talking to families and to new residents about their journey, what has caused them the most angst, you know, talking to them about what their perceptions of aged care are and how that's yep. impacting that journey for them. And so from that, looking at, well, how can we ease that? How can we, you know, really make this journey smoother? So a few of the things we've done is try to bring people on their aged care journey before they need it. So really encouraging mm. our local community members, come in, get to know us, find out, even if you don't think you need it or if you think it's a long way off, come right. in. We're not a big, scary place. Get to know us, do a class, join one of our open days, you know, sit in one of our information sessions, something like that, where you can sort of start to get a sense of what aged care is like now because it's probably mm. not what you're thinking it was. Then we've introduced a range of resources. So in the, the early stages, particularly if you're looking at residential care, most people who need residential care need it now. So not only are they overwhelmed with the emotional side of things, they're forced to understand aged care and everything that mm. comes with it in a really short time span. Yes. And aged care and the system is complicated. I'm the first yeah. one to put my hand up and say, you know what, it's hard. I've been in it for a long time. I think I know it pretty well, but it's still complicated. So wow. for people who are coming in, don't have a lot of time, they're not familiar with it, they haven't had years of experience like I have trying to understand what the legislation means, what the fees and charges are and how they applied it's a really tough space and they need to understand all of this stuff. So when they come in, they're making good choices for them or their loved one and they understand what they're being charged and why. Mm. So a few of the things that we've done is look at that journey and make sure that information that we're sharing is really easy to understand. It's mm. And only what you need to know when you need it. You only really need to know this slither really well. Exactly. And you'll die by paperwork before you finish with aged care. Don't worry. Mm. Um, So it's about about making sure you get what you need when you need it. So start off with, you know, let's introduce you to what the services are, what are the fees and charges in a really simple way, what do they mean, how are they calculated, where else can you go for more information, come in, get a taste of it, meet the team a little bit, discuss your needs a bit more and what we can do in that space and how you'll be involved throughout the process and remain a big part of your loved one's life because it usually is the family member who's making the decision. Uh, And then, you know, we spend a lot of time looking at that whole welcome. Our residents, when they move in, they're moving home and they're moving home at a vulnerable point in their life, usually when moving from somewhere they've lived for a really long time into a very strange new environment. So making sure that that transition in and that welcome is as good as it can be, that they are familiarised with the team, the people they're living with, the living environment, 
you know, all the things that they can access uh, is really, really important. So I've done a lot of work in that space, making that as good as it can be. And then obviously it's all about continuous improvement. So then a month later we go back to them and say, please tell us how you how we did. What did how did you find the experience? Right. The gaps and how can we make it even better for the next person that's coming in? Why take the lens and why focus on the right hand side? Our number one promoter, if we go back to generating leads and absolutely yes. is a big part of my role, is making sure we always have someone to welcome into the village. Yes. You know, yes. our families, word of mouth is the number one way people look for services. Mm. So particularly in service delivery and aged care in a vulnerable space where people are feeling anxious, the first people right. they turn to is their number one is their health practitioner. So the person who's telling them you need aged care Guaranteed, the first question I ask about is where should we go? Now, theoretically, they're not allowed to say where do you go. But, of course. And so making sure from an emotional point and just from a customer experience point that everyone enjoys the journey and it is as good as possible is really important. Mm. It's also really important because we want those people to be able to reassure other people to say, hey, it's not that bad. There, there right. are great providers out there. You can receive some really great care. This doesn't have to be a bad experience. So if I summarize it effectively what you're saying is on the right hand side which is the the product and the service delivery which is ultimately the brand because you can put together the world's best videos and content and glossy stuff and what have you but if it doesn't show up that way and if word on the street is different then <laughs> you could do the best job on the left hand side and so therefore you're saying well i want to make sure and of course it's the right thing to do and it's in line with the organization and let's take heart out for a moment and I even just commercially go like actually delivering a really great experience and being across that and celebrating that and highlighting those stories then help you on 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 the left hand side on the on the acquisition i'm interested in how have you gone on that journey internally when some people may not view that as either your role or the team's role <clears throat> and i know it's a challenge that i hear from other people which is kind of like oh you're just like you're on the marketing side you're on the like just <laughs> hey we need some new we need some new brochures and a better website and like just get more tours um more brochures. You know, leave leave me <laughs> more brochures leave me and the team to do our thing like why 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 is the marketing team getting involved in the welcome experience i must admit i've done this a couple of times now and i've it's always been really well received i think because everyone is underpinned by that desire to help ultimately right. resident and the families to live well one of the other things we've done to support that though is when i came on board and we launched our brand so we did a lot of branding exercises initially we underpinned all of our customer service and our customer experience strategy and positioning around the brand and our brand values so when we speak about our customer service and how do we create that great experience it is all underpinned by who we are as an organization and what our mission is and mm. so that connection back to all of us working together in a variety of different ways and a variety of different roles is really strongly connected by that so when then it comes to me saying well now we're going to talk about how we welcome people which might have right. traditionally been you're absolutely right totally someone else's responsibility and I'm not trying to take that responsibility away from sure. them. And then it's about, well, how do I support you? Because this is really important for all of us. And, yes. and when you create this great experience for your residents moving in, you will have a better relationship with them and all of you will enjoy it a lot more as well. Mm. How you think about those implications of making those 10, 20% improvements, what does that mean? And obviously, what are the 10, 20% negatives of those service deliveries? I don't need to tell you. Everyone knows, you know, it's massive. It's disproportionate, the impact that it has when you go from good to exceptional. 
Right. You know, I often, in our customer service training, I talk about what makes the difference between a good or an okay customer experience and what makes an exceptional one. It is because someone's always gone over and above. It's always better than you expected. And when mm. someone does that, that stands out. It resonates so powerfully. So it drives mm. you to want to talk about something. And we're all reluctant to talk about positive. We, as a people, very rarely go, yay, that was amazing, all the time. Right. But you've only got to do something slightly bad and everyone will tell you about it. So, right. you know, making sure that we always have people out there who want to and are so motivated and not have anything to rave about the bad right. from a commercial side is really important. But it has big impacts in a lot of other ways as well. If someone's not receiving the care that they want or how they want it, that's going to have impacts not just their experience but their overall health and well-being as well in terms of being an aged care provider yes we're regulated to the nth degree and we're measured on all of those things but people thrive when they're feeling like they're supported well and getting care they want and they're yes. living how they want which is a great thing the other impact that it has when we go from good to great and avoid down the bottom is the way that those other really important influences in our market perceive us so I said initially, when people are looking for aged care, their number one referral source is their health practitioner. So when we've got GPs and allied health services specialists meeting with our residents and our clients, and our clients are raving about it, they're able to rave about it, then when people ask them, where would you go? They say, well, I go here. I'm looking after a great group of people over here. They receive really mm. good care. That's really important. Um, you're in a situation where your GPs or your allied health professionals don't want to work with you so much. One that has knock-on impacts for the care you can provide, but it also has knock-on impacts on your reputation. So making mm. sure that are also able and willing and motivated to want to talk about you is really important. Well, welcome, Alana, to the quickfire round where you have 10, 20 seconds. It's usually my own fault where we go longer to get to know Alana. So let's start with what brand do you look up to as a great example of customer experience? Definitely Disney. Anything in particular that stands out? I love their principle, you know, just bring it to life. What did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, I think it was a teacher back when I was really little. And then oh, yeah. it was a microbiologist. So none of those is where I ended up. <laughs> What's a skill that you're really terrible at? Sports. Shocking. What's something that you're reading right now or some content that you're really into? Ooh, I'm a big sci-fi fan and murder mystery. So anything oh, yeah. by David Zodacci, Greg Isles is another favourite of mine. But my favourite book of all time is... Oh, yes. On my mum, I worked on an oil rig. She thinks I'm a piano player in a whorehouse. Amazing. <laughs> Who's someone you really admire? Barack Obama strikes me. He's someone I've always really looked up to. What's a non-work-related thing that you're really into right now? Surviving COVID with kids is probably my past <laughs> time right now. My cooking skills have improved dramatically. Where do you go to upskill professionally? Like, what's your, your go-to sort of books, YouTubes, podcasts? Yeah, TED Talks. I love TED Talks. I generally go through there. I'm a big fan of Brene Brown, Beth Godden, you know, read a bit of him. What is your guilty pleasure? Definitely chocolate. I'm 
I'm hoping there's some examples of some stories where when you bring that lens to the service side that then then gets celebrated and you're sort of able to connect the dots, even if it's not with hard data. One of the things we have done that really has uh, resonated powerfully is run the information sessions. And it's an invitation for people to come in, have a, you know, a cup of tea and a chat, some morning tea, and discover what aged care is all about. It's usually targeted for people just before they need it. So this is mm. people who might have a loved one who they think is getting a bit frailer and might need it soon. The government did a big campaign probably a year and a half ago now, encouraging people to think about their aged care future. What is it planned for? It's a bit like super and retirement. Oh, interesting. It didn't go very well, very far, but it was a short-lived campaign. And I really loved the purpose of it, you know, and the messaging from it because it is important that people understand what it is before they get there. So we've run a series of these workshops which have had really good participation. And it's one of the key focuses there and one of the big uh, issues for people looking at aged care is around fees and charges. I've Mm -hmm. heard this time and time again, you know, it's uh, the, the figures that are quoted to people are huge. People get really nervous. They don't think they can afford it and they get very scared about it. Mm. So being able to bring people in, have a chat about what it is, uh, explain the journey so that they have a sense of where they're at and what they might need to do as a first step and the supports that they can get along the way, but then really demystifying what those fees and charges are. So those mm. big, scary numbers don't feel so big and scary anymore. Mm. Are there any examples that come to mind where you've gone through that process and you're kind of quite proud of the output there? It is really complicated. And if you read all the information, it goes so much into depth, you kind of lose everyone. So being able to explain simply, what does this mean? And when will it be applied? And I suppose some of those uh, reassuring pieces in there that you may not need to pay it at all. This may not be something Mm -hmm. you need to worry about very simplistic black and whites of it. But being able to make that really easy to understand, recently did some training with our teams and I created a talking sheet for our teams to be able to explain to other people what do the fees and charges mean. And we got them to actually use it. And I said, I want you to role play this. I want you to sit in pairs and I want the person who's least knowledgeable about fees and charges right now to have their partner Ask some questions about it. Pretend you're a new resident. You're coming in, you're emotional, you don't understand anything. And I want you just to use this piece of paper and answer them and answer them meaningfully, but allow them to understand it. And that was a really powerful thing because at the end of that, you know, I asked them all, so how are you feeling now about talking about fees and charges? And across Mm. the room, they were like, I can do this now. I can actually understand it. I can talk about it, which is really really good because the more people mm. we who understand what these fees and charges are that can talk to other people about it we can share that along and help people so. mm. i'm very interested in how do you take someone who's effectively not a salesperson and how do you bring them to a world where you're actually helping people make a commitment and you're trying to help them figure out whether you're a right fit for them. And that's really important that they get that right. How do you do that and what have you learned? All right. Well, the first thing that I learned... The can of worms is open. Yeah, it is. Totally. The first thing that I learned is take away the jargon. For them, it's not sales. And soon as you try and put it in sales spin, I mean, I still use some of the jargon, you know, leads. We have an inquiry management process. But really, it's about making it more about the customer journey and that experience. Mm. They, Because they're not salespeople, these are caregivers. They take yes. on different roles, but their core passion is caring for people. 
So tapping yes. into that, removing the sales jargon and removing, giving them the steps to fo- the sales steps to follow, but without the, the labeling of it, but more or less tapping into this is how you support their journey right now. This is how you care at this mm. point in their journey and how you make them well at that point in their journey. And that's what they're really passionate about. And, you know, I spoke a little bit before about the impact of powering them to be able to talk about fees and charges. That was a real right. concern for them because mm. they were reluctant to answer the phone. If, if there was a, a prospective family on the phone, they were so nervous about answering the phone calls because they didn't think that they could talk meaningfully. They were so scared about this. Oh, wow. But with this sheet, they were then freed up to be able to have these great conversations without the fear talk meaningfully, correctly, more important, about what yes. the fees and charges are, share that information and allow people to, to move along that customer journey and into assets. Because that sounded like that was the biggest barrier of like, oh, I don't want to talk about the finances and the commercials are big and scary and, you know, I'll just focus on the great care that we give and then hopefully if you see enough of the great care, then someone else and you can figure out the finances yourself. So taking that off the table was a big thing. Was there anything else that sort of stood out in helping us with, yeah, what we're talking about is kind of care first givers, be able to help people make the right decisions. And it's a commercial decision and it's an important one to make because if those decisions aren't getting made consistently, then you can't be around as an organization, right? How do you even navigate the aged care space? I don't know Mm. if you've been onto the My Aged Care Gateway. Last round of surveys and research that I did, most people that we survey were actively avoiding it. They'd go anywhere but there because they felt it was too complicated. Enabling them to know, hey, we've got a team here who will take you on that journey. You don't even need to do that on your own. We will do that with you. You know, if you're in care at home, our teams will sit with our future clients and do it all with them so that they don't have to worry about that fear and that anxiety of navigating these really challenging spaces where people are asking me really weird questions that I have no idea about, guiding them on that process. In residential care, it's a a bit of a shorter sequence because the need is helping our clients and our staff support our future customers and families and whatnot through that journey, giving them the tools to know how to do it. And for our team, it was really about making sure they didn't just complete one step, but they followed up so that we were mm. always taking people on to the next step because it's very easy to care for someone and say, well, now I've completed this, love you, blah. Right, um, so yeah, yeah, fingers crossed. Yeah, You'll here's, come back here's to the, us. Here's the brochure. Yeah, you'll come back. <laughs> but really getting our staff on the same page that care doesn't stop with completing one part of it. You need them to take right. them the next step and then the next right. step until they're in with us. What a great answer. In closing, Alana, I just want to touch on we're now living through the biggest pandemic of our lifetime and aged care is very much centre of the focus in terms of how this is affecting community. Sort of interested in how you thought about navigating the craziness of all things coronavirus from a comms point of view, from an expectation management point of view, and from a customer experience point of view. And now that we're a couple of months in, sort of key reflections on on some of those big things that you were able to pull off. As an aged care provider, we do. We look after those most vulnerable people in our society. So making sure that we were protecting them and our staff was absolutely critical. And that has driven everything that we have done. We really quickly got together and formed a crisis management team made up of our leadership team and a few of our board members. And we daily 
we're meeting at that stage. We're still meeting at least three times a week now. Looking at what the changes in the situation are and what are the risks associated with that and how we protect our residents, clients and staff. One of the things we've done really well right from the start is make sure we communicate that out as well. So in a world which is quite scary, quite fearful, changing rapidly, it was so important we felt that we communicated regularly, kept all of our internal and external stakeholders up to date, what was happening in the situation, what was happening in our local areas and how we're responding to that and why. Done a number of initiatives to, to really help that communication piece and the results have been really powerful. We recently surveyed our residents and our staff to find out how they felt about some of the measures we put in place and in particular the fact that we had restricted visitors. Big talking point everywhere, not a decision we made lightly but clinical experience and our expertise in outbreak management meant that was the best way that we could protect everyone and so we made that tough call. We went out and we surveyed our residents and our staff and said, how do you feel about it? How do you feel about the fact that we restricted access? Are you okay with that? Mm-hmm. And overwhelmingly, and I'm talking high mid-90s percent of people who responded said, totally agree with what you've done. Appreciate right. the fact that you have put that in place because I feel protected. You know, I think a lot of that came from the fact that we did. We constantly kept them in touch, kept them engaged, reminded them, you know, why are we doing this? And we're doing it for you. Any major changes that will continue from here on out that you think either sort of culturally as a team or elements from communicating with families to the way that maybe you do other things on the customer experience or marketing side? Absolutely. I mean, we've adapted a number of areas of our approach. Comms in particular respond to this unique situation. And there's a lot of great things that we have taken out of this that we will definitely be moving forward. The way we respond in a crisis, been really impressed. The teams have all come together from across the organisation and worked really well together. When we've needed to get information out, we've been able to do so really efficiently and effectively. And I think certainly making sure that we maintain, probably not quite the pace that we're doing now, but certainly make yes. it more regular. And multi-channel communication is going mm. to be something we'll carry forward. Throughout the midst of this, RFI actually didn't have a Facebook page before this. Oh, right. One of our villages had a Facebook page that we inherited when we bought it, um, but we hadn't yet converted that into an RFI page or set up our own. Oh, interesting. Which we did, which we did during this, and that's been hugely successful, and it's been one of the key channels that we're using to communicate with our local community members and, you know, celebrate what's still happening in our villages because, you know, people hear a lot about the fact that, oh, you're in restrictions, no one's allowed in. You're right. But families are still getting together. They're still seeing each other. Our residents are still having a great time. There's still lots of great things happening. Our teams are working so hard to make sure people living with us are living as normal life as possible. And in fact, Mm. if everyone living through coronavirus right now, they're probably the best at right. surviving it because, you know, they've still got their families around them. They've still got their, their fellow community members that are living yes. with them, still there yes. with them. I know I appreciate for our care at home clients who live in the community, you know, that has been probably really hardest for them because, mm. you know, they're living alone or isolated and they've been strongly encouraged to keep the distance. So, yes making sure our team are there, giving them the support that they need as they need it and in a way that they're comfortable with. 
I mean, a lot of people wanted to change the way their services were being delivered because they were fearful of coronavirus, and quite rightly. So making sure that we responded to their individual needs and preferences throughout this, you know, when it first hit, what they were comfortable with then, and as we ease, what they want now. And it's amazing. A lot of them now are like, okay, I've been here, I've done that now. I'm, right. I'm okay, let's ramp this up again now. Yes, yes. So responding to that is something, and the way that we have adapted to that is definitely something we will continue. We've launched a number of great initiatives on the back of this to help people stay on top of what's happening uh, yep. that will continue, forge new pathways for communicating with families. That will continue for sure. Well, Alana, I want to thank you very much for coming on the show. I have a page just filled of notes, which I look forward to summarizing. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks for coming on the show. <laughs> thank you so much. It's been awesome. Thanks for listening. This podcast is produced by Rate It, the market leader in gathering in-the-moment customer feedback. If you'd like more information, head to the website rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. If you have any feedback about the show, Michael would love to hear from you directly. You can reach out to him on LinkedIn. Just search for Michael Momsen. We've put a link in the show notes. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast app. And while you're there, please leave us a five-star review. It really helps other people find the show. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey, and I'll speak to you next time.